Hello, this is Aaron Saft on the MR Running Pains podcast. With 30 years of running experience and 20 years of coaching, I thought it time to share with you things I've learned and people I've met so that you can try things for yourself and see if they help your running. Thanks for joining me. Wrote this song while crew and Aaron on a 100-mile foot race through the trails in the rain and mud. How about that? Today's episode, I welcome back Miriam Saloom of the Runner's Mechanic Physical Therapy Clinic. Uh, our uh, discussion today, as, as it says in the title, is uh, the Achilles tendon. Um, so um, this episode, we're going to go over everything about the Achilles, um, things that can happen to it, um, ways to prevent it, uh, just some great things to, to learn from and um, you know talk about. Uh, what works and what doesn't work. So I want to thank Miriam for coming on today, uh, for being a part of the episode again, uh, for sharing her knowledge. Uh, it's it's great. I always love learning more from Miriam. Um, so uh, that's coming up now. And at the end of the podcast, I'll kind of go over some some housekeeping items and such. Um, definitely want to uh, um, put in a spot there for um, coaching. 
I do have some spots coming open. So uh, if you are looking for coaching or want to hear why you should be coached, um, just uh, have a listen at the end there for me. Appreciate everything, guys, and I'll talk to you at the end. All right. I want to welcome again our good friend Miriam Saloom, our, our resident physical therapist to the podcast again. How are you doing, Miriam? I'm good, Aaron. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and uh, we touched on the uh, plantar fascia uh, in our last conversation. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll put a link in the, the show notes to that conversation and previous podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the Achilles uh, tendon and, and things that can go wrong with the Achilles. So um, you want to talk about the Achilles a little bit? Where is it and what's its purpose? What does it do? Sure. Um, the Achilles is a pretty amazing structure. Um, it's actually one of the most efficient tendons in our system. So it has about a 90% uh, efficiency with return of energy. So I think we find few things in this world as efficient as the Achilles. <laughs> but it's a it's a large tendon. I think a lot of people you know, in general kind of know where it is. But uh, as your calf starts to taper down towards your heel, it ravels into a smaller tendon structure right along the, the back part of the heel. That's the Achilles tendon. And then it merges into um, the calcaneus and the fat pad underneath, which is the heel bone. Uh, it is a continuous structure with the uh, calf complex, so the gastroc and soleus, and then it goes down into the plantar fascia, which eventually ends into the big toe. So that's the, uh, the entire structure there. Um, and what's, what's, uh, what's its main function? What does it do? How does it serve us? Yeah. So, um, its primary function is it flexes the foot. So it helps us go up onto our toe. Uh, when it comes into running, it actually adds, um, if we call the entire system of um, the hamstring, the glute, the hamstring and the calf, the posterior chain. The idea is that um, especially the gastroc um, becomes part of almost like a telephone wire. So like when I, when I work with clients and I, I tell them, um, I'm trying to explain to them what the function is. It's supposed to transfer force. So our hip generates some of our force as we push off. And the hamstring, the calf, and the Achilles are supposed to transfer that force, just like a telephone wire, um, so that we can return our en energy and push off through our big toe, our foot and our big toe. Um, so that's how it, that's how it uh, works within the system. Cool. Um, and we have so many problems that can arise with the Achilles tendon. Um, so can we start with um, the tendonitis and tendinosis? And then can you define each of those, how they relate to the Achilles? Sure. Um, so we tend to classify things with an itis, so tendonitis, as being the initial stages of irritation to the tendon, um, to the Achilles. So if someone presents to us before they've been having symptoms either 12 weeks or less, um, we told that more of an acute situation or tendonitis, and that means inflammation probably has a larger role in their symptoms. Uh, as we get past 12 weeks, um, inflammation definitely can still be a large part of that role. But as we um, start to go into several months and into a year, sometimes we'll see some issues like that. We start to see changes in the actual tendon. Um, when we start to see a tendon change in its, subs in its substance, um, so it can start to have more blood vessels that infiltrate it, um, newer nerve endings, which is why it becomes painful. 
uh, it becomes a little bit less organized uh, as far as collagen. So that's what we start to categorize as tendinosis. So actual uh, changes within the tendon itself, uh, aside from just the inflammation. Okay. Um, and is, is the tendon surrounded by a sheath itself? Is there a protective layer around? Yeah. So there's a fatty layer called the peritinon that encapsulates the tendon. I mean, so you can actually have inflammation of the peritinon, you know, so that's the, the fatty sheath over the, over the Achilles. And then you can actually have a, a, um, a degenerated Achilles tendon. So you can have both, again, the inflammation process and kind of those chronic degenerated tendon issues too. Um, but you have to treat them as one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, tendinitis and tendinosis, they are, are they treated the same? Is that correct? Well, we treat them a little bit differently. So the, the one that has a larger part of inflammation, so the tendinitis and some of the earlier tendinosis, if they have a larger component of inflammation, we definitely want to gear our treatment towards that. Um, so inflammation, such as not, um, trying to load it excessively, um, ice, um, modifying activity, finding comfortable shoe wear, things that, that don't make the tendon uh, angry. Um, sometimes I tell people, don't try not to give your tendon a tantrum. Um, you know, we don't want to anger a really inflamed tendon. Um, and sometimes we get into some of the later stages, like we talked about with the tendinosis, where inflammation has a small, smaller role. Um, in those situations, you don't see a red puffy tendon. Like sometimes you'll look at someone's heel and it's, it's really red, it's puffy, you can tell it's angry. Um, and then sometimes you'll look at the attendant that's been giving somebody a problem for a while and it doesn't look red or, or, um, inflamed, but it is thickened. Um, so we, sometimes we see with those people that it has more of those chronic tendon, pain, uh, changes than the actual inflammation. Um, so we just, everyone's a little bit different in those components, but we just, uh, as a clinician, you have to gauge which one is, is kind of the, the greater issue with that person. But in the earlier stages, we see more of the inflammation. Um, when we talk about footwear, uh, to help resolve these situations, what are some things that people should look for in footwear to, to help alleviate the pain and, and, uh, and such that comes with these two problems? Yeah. You know, and so sometimes it's, it's one looking at what someone's current footwear is, you know, um, is it an issue of just them having a shoe? And, and sometimes I'll talk to somebody and they just have had it. So their life has gone busy. They've been doing a lot of running and like, gosh, I really haven't changed my shoes in forever. I can tell these have broken down. They don't feel the same. Um, they don't have um, the same spring in them. And, and sometimes it's just a simple case of someone that really has relied upon the aspects of those shoes and then that shoe is broken down and they, they just need to update their shoes. Um, someone that has a lot of inflammation along the Achilles, sometimes the actual um, structure of the shoe. So if the heel counter is rubbing on the inflammation, that can continue to make it worse. So sometimes they have to kind of go to a different shoe in general so that the heel counter gives that either hits at a different place on that Achilles or gives them um, uh, or is less um, constrictive along that Achilles just because of the inflammation that's set up there. Um, so that's one thing. Um, sometimes people do a little bit better if they start to go into a little bit more of a stability shoe. So they don't have compared to what they have relatively to what they have. So if they've been in a fairly minimalist shoe, their Achilles is really kind of, you know, angry and, and, and not feeling great. Sometimes they do a little bit better in a, in a slightly stiffer shoe. Um, it starts to aid a little bit in that Achilles return so that it doesn't have to work quite as hard. Um, so sometimes it's kind of looking at where they currently are with their shoe wear and then, you know, helping them with hypothesize maybe what would be the next change to go to from there. 
Um, so there, I mean, I, I know that's kind of a confusing answer, but sometimes it's not just one thing, but um, just kind of talking about like, you know, to the, asking them about their shoe history and, and kind of what they're currently doing and, and going from there. Right. Um, uh, you know, and, and to add to that, um, a lot of times we don't take into consideration what we wear professionally or even casually. You know, we spend a lot of our time in uh, in a certain style of shoe. Let's, for instance, say that, you know, um, uh, uh, we wear a, a higher ramped, um, you know, casual shoe or heels in, in a woman's case. Um, you know, if, if you're used to wearing that, you know, high, you know, for this purpose, ramped um, style of shoe, you know, and you try to wear a, a lower ramped or, you know, zero drop shoe, even, um, you're potentially, uh, you know, overstretching the tendon. Would you say that that could potentially be a problem if, if you're used to, you know, having that Achilles shortened by having, you know, um, a higher ramp shoe and then try to go to a running shoe that is a lower ramp? Yeah. And that's definitely can be a consideration, uh, depending on, uh, just in general before people have issues in general, that's definitely a consideration. Um, uh, in in healthcare, I think a really popular shoe, and this was something you know when I can't got into um, physical therapy, everyone wore dance goes. I don't know if you know what dance goes are anymore, but like yeah, you know, just a really you know, kind of it was like a wooden you know wooden bomb shoe, very high ramp. Um, and I, I always like to give my clients an example. Uh, I think you guys had just moved next door, and I went by and I, I got the um, I got the New Balance Minimus. Uh, they were a little flat. They, were, they just felt gray, and they were just like at the Vibram bottoms. And I wore them all day at work, and I was super excited. And I woke up the next morning and I swore I had, had fractured every metatarsal in my foot. Like I could barely stand up. I, I thought every bone in my foot was broken. And it was just because I stood for eight hours in a shoe that I never, ever had, had been in and, and really hadn't had that, that kind of um, thinness to my work shoes um, and just static standing. So it was, you know, anytime you make a change like that, it can be, it can be a big deal. So even non-symptomatic or asymptomatic people, that's one thing to take into account. Um, but yes, when you, when you start to have irritation with your Achilles, it can kind of go both ways. Um, there definitely is a group of people with Achilles issues that their actual range of motion is stiff. Um, and so for those clients, we do start to look at ways to either, you know, mimic a higher ramp if they feel better in that in their, in their, um, running shoes and, and in their work shoes. Um, there definitely is a group of population of, of Achilles people that don't have stiffness. They actually have plenty of range of motion. They're, they're actually, and that's the other side of the equation too, sometimes that can be a problem. But yeah, for the people that do tend to have stiffness in their Achilles and they're trying to rehab, sometimes in the beginning stages, it is good to um, kind of buffer that stretch and just have them do it during their exercises during the day um, in, in doses. So yeah, that's a really good conversation to have with somebody. Sure. Um, and they're, if they, if they can recognize that they are, uh, inflexible in that posterior chain, um, I, I would say, is it safe for them to want to start a transition? Like, so for instance, if they're looking to, to, you know, reduce down to, um, you know, more like towards the zero drop, if you will, um, you know, as you were kind of describing with the minimus, um, you know, and, but they're used to that traditional, like 10 to 12 millimeter ramp. Uh, they should start transitioning uh, gradually by, you know, breaking it down, maybe go to an eight millimeter and then like a four to six. And then, you know, over the course of, you know, the, uh, you know, months to a year, you know, to gradually progress down to that zero drop or, you know, even filtering a zero drop shoe in to the rotation, you know, potentially once a week, you know, on the shorter runs, just to kind of get used to that um, and put themselves at less susceptibility to, to an injury. 
Yeah, yeah. And so one of the um, one of the 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 biggest, I would say, researchers in our community that that really you know brought that to light was Irene Davis um, with, with Harvard. And so you know they they kind of dialed in what we call this transition protocol from minimalist shoes, and it really is you know looking at what you're at and then slowly. Um, you know, uh, taking down that ramp if you are going to start um, go, or if you want to start to go to more of a lower drop or a minimal shoe. So people can just uh, Google Irene Davis uh, minimalist transition protocol. Um, that's one thing. Uh, another thing is also, I think, you know, if you're talking about running time, I think they recommend looking at if you're going to drop down to a more minimalist shoe, uh, just adding it to 10 percent of your weekly mileage. Um, which is really, I mean, which is really not much. I did that for a little bit. Um, and it, it's nice when you start, um, but I think 10 people tend to overdo it because they don't realize, you know, 10% is, is 10%. It's not that much. Um, but that's usually how people successfully um, start to do stuff like that. But it, it works the calf a lot harder and that's why. Um, so they find that people don't don't increase too fast and, and too much, that they, they do much better with lo- lower risk of injury. Um, so yeah, those transition protocols are really nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, perfect. Thank you. I'll put that in the show notes uh, so everybody can can look that up. Um, awesome. Um, so other things that we can suffer, um, you know, I myself uh, in my right Achilles, I had a micro tear um, and mine came about because I'm, <laughs> I misread my training <laughs> uh, for college. Um, <laughs> the, the, um, I, uh, I misinterpreted the, uh, the assignment as to how much mileage I was supposed to do. And I added way too much, way too fast. And then I ended up creating a, a micro tear because I just did, you know, way too much mileage, uh, when my body wasn't ready for it. Um, so, um, that said, um, this is kind of a three part, you know, the, the micro tear has created a little bit of, uh, of scar tissue. I can kind of still feel that little, you know, little bit that's still residual in there. Um, so, um, when we're talking about scar tissue, can that limit mobility and function of the tendon? Yeah. So, um, and micro tears happen. They're super common. Um, and I, I, you know, I hate to say it, but as we get older, they're, they become more and more common. Um, and I, and micro tears are these like small features in the, in the tendon. Now, anytime there's a tear, our body will heal with scar tissue. That's just, that's how, what our body does, which is, which is great that it, it allows that to happen, but scar tissue doesn't, uh, function exactly with the same properties as tendon. So it's, it doesn't have that kind of elastic recoil, um, that the, not, that the, uh, intact tendon does. So, um, you know, I always tell people when you think about the Achilles tendon, think about a nice new rubber band. And so that when you, um, land, um, on, like if you're running and you land on one leg, that, uh, rubber band will stretch a little bit and then it also will recoil. So that's how that rubber band will snap. Um, and so if you, if you do have those kinds of tears and some scar tissue, sometimes you start to lose that recoil property. It doesn't, it doesn't recoil back quite as, quite as well. And with some people, you know, it, it doesn't make a big difference with some people. It tends to make a huge difference. Um, so it's, it's kind of, um, maybe based on genetics and performance, but, um, but yeah, the scar tissue doesn't function exactly like, um, like intact, uh, tendon. So even if someone gets over the hurdle of an injury or a tear, I, you know, I do recommend that they always continue their rehab throughout their life. Because, um, if you continue to run, you're going to continue to, 
um, ask a lot of your Achilles and, and ask a lot from those forces. And you, I think you do have to continue to, to do things to, to keep the rest of that tendon that's healthy, to keep it strong. Mm-hmm. What type of things can you do to, to help, um, you know, resolve that restriction or, um, or help keep the fluidity of the tendon? Are there, there are certain things, is it more like stretching, um, strength training combination, uh, or is there some type of like, uh, you know, something that comes to mind would be like scraping, you know, um, mm-hmm. wash on or something like that. Um, are those, what are some things that people can, can, you know, find to, to help with that? Yeah. Um, and what I think people, people tend to do, and I, I kind of fall in that category too, when something bothers you, you give it a lot more care. And then when it doesn't bother you, you tend to, you tend to, you know, go back to your normal routine. And so, I mean, just, you know, when you're talking about being realistic, um, I think just getting into a, a routine of having some concentric exercise. So during your lifting program, um, just add in a couple um, heel raises with some weight. Um, so if you're already doing your squats and your lunges, working on single leg heel raises with some weight and eccentric drops. Um, I think that's a, a really nice thing just to kind of keep in your in your wheelhouse when you're, uh, you know, feeling healthy as an athlete. Um, of course, you know, if you start to feel like that Achilles starts to flare up, um, I think ice is always a really good thing to do after performance. If you start to feel it, it does tend to, they do find inflammation even with chronic issues. So ice, like the gua So, you know, Aaron's talking about these little tools that you can get. Um, you can actually get them on Amazon now pretty well. These little scraping tools that you can do some, some very gentle cross friction to the tendon yourself um, just to keep it moving a little bit and feeling better. Um, but I would say on average, people don't tend to do that when they're, when they're feeling okay, but that's something nice to do. If you start to feel like you're, you're starting to get tight in that Achilles or having some, um, or in the calf complex and starting to feel like you're, you're getting some restrictions there. But I think just out of habit, adding some calf work into your program, into your lifting program, even if it's just once a week is, is super important. Right on. And so let's just break that down a little bit more into simplistic terms when we talk mm-hmm. about the calf raises. So uh, uh, correct me if, if I'm wrong here, but what you're suggesting is that like when we do calf raises, we should probably have him like off a step so that our forefoot is on the step and then we can raise, but then we can also lower to where the heel is lower than the stair we're stepping on. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. So, yeah. So if you're like lifting weights a lot, it's easy sometimes to just get a plate like, you know, Unfortunately, when gyms were open, it was easy to find a heavy plate, but you just find a plate or, or something like that um, and just let the heel go down just a little bit as you control that weight. And the amount of weight is, is important. They find about 70% um, a, a weight that that really, um, so if you like your best effort, like lifting a weight, let's say, you know, I'm just out of, you know, out of the air. Like if I took a 50 pound medicine ball, I'm able to do one rep of going up onto my right on my right toe. So doing one heel raise with 50 is all I can do. I'll drop that down just a little bit. So I feel like it's a 70% effort of that. So making sure your weight is heavy is important for that because that's really, we're dealing with about 10 times our body weight when we run that goes through the Achilles. So obviously we're not even going to get close to that, but we do want some weight that feels hard. You know, so about 70% of your effort when you start doing those, those calf raises and then slowly controlling the, the descent or the drop of the heel back down off the step. Mm-hmm. Cool. Right on. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, now, uh, depending on the severity of the tear, um, is it possible for someone to not develop scar tissue in the first place? It, you kind of talked about that earlier. It seems like, you know, if we have a tear, even with therapy, there's going to be some amount of scar tissue, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, so one can also rupture the Achilles tendon, which is probably worst case scenario. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> what happens in this case and how is it treated? Yeah, fortunately, uh, as far if you're, there can be good news for runners, fortunately, complete Achilles ruptures are relatively rare. We see this more um, with basketball, um, so sports that are explosive. Um, and then we start to see it. So in like in that like population. So uh, usually we see that more with males uh, and ages, you know, 40 plus. Um, we start to see that kind of that kind of injury where there's a, a, a lot of times what it's described as it feels like there was like a shot in the back of their in the back of their heel. It's like a pop. It's a pretty big bang. Um, and it's, it's really, really unfortunate, but we do see it more with those other, with those more explosive sports like basketball, um, where we see in the everyday population is when there's probably been a lot of, um, aging or degeneration of a tendon and it's been having a lot of problems. And then like, I've had a client, um, that's stepped in a hole, you know, so a rapid elongation of the tendon and then it popped. Um, so we don't, luckily we don't see that kind of injury very often with, with, um, with normal running activities. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how is that, how is that treated? It's, it's, that would require surgery. Yeah. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. You do, you have to have a repair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a long rehab and they, they can turn out well. It's just a long rehab. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's to say that after rehab, you know, granted that everything went well during rehab, you probably can return to activity. Yeah, I mean, it's always good to be in good communication with your, obviously, your surgeon and your and your therapist. But yeah, when that when that repair is sound, um, they and and also they take in consideration like uh, all the other factors, you know, age and genetics and and sport and those kinds of things, and make good recommendations about about what's reasonable to return to. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, moving on to our next malady. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk about the uh, Haglund's deformity. Um, uh, Scott uh, over at FooterX used to refer to it as a pump bump. Um, but um, how do these form and what is it? Yeah, so it's just a bony prominence on the on the back of the heel. So an extra um, kind of bony deposit that can that can rub onto the back of the Achilles. Uh, I think there's there's a little bit of, of myth that the shoes actually cause it, and and that's not that's not really the case. Um, they used to, you know, I guess they call it a pump bump or for women's like high heeled shoes or those kinds of things. Um, so, and that's not that's not necessarily true. I mean, so I think genetics has a lot to do with it. Um, sometimes shoes can irritate a pump, a pump bump or Haglund's deformity. Um, some people have Haglund's deformities and they don't have any pain. So um, sometimes they'll go into to see their um, orthopedist. They'll take x-rays of, of both sides, one that's painful and, and one that's not. And they they look the same and one has pain and one doesn't. So I think it does put the Achilles on a little bit more of a risk to be irritated. Um, but I think there's definitely some other factors. So it's just it's just a little bit of a bony prominence on the back of the, the calcaneus, mm -hmm, the heel bone. And, and when it is irritated, um, what's the best resolve for um, for treating it? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone tries to um, recommend a, a conservative approach, you know, modified rest. So trying to take down activity that irritates the Achilles, um, maybe substituting it with things like uh, swimming or, or lesser impact things for a little bit. I sometimes the doctor will recommend NSAIDs or um, some medications for that to help with the inflammation. The hope is that with some, and if they're tight, you know, they help get good mobility to the ankle and to the calf and to the calf complex. 
um, if there's any kind of excessive motion, you know, looking at inserts and things like that. So anything we can do, just like we treat, just like with an angry Achilles, you know, very much the same, you know, just try to dim down that inflammation, get somebody more comfortable and prepare them to return to activity and hopefully a slightly different manner. So it wouldn't become irritated again. So that's the, that's always the first go. Um, surgery, like with most things, there's, you know, the, at the very um, other end of the spectrum with cases that aren't um, resolving, either is they do, they can do surgery, um, but they do, I think most people try to avoid that. Sure. Um, when we talk about the footwear, uh, going back to the heel counter, if it is annoying it, is there any um, um, negative to uh, finding like a soft, more flexible uh, heel counter in which it's not stiff and structured? No. And that's where you kind of get into this. Um, you, you get into the more the individuality of the person. Yeah. So sometimes it is that, that stiff shoe that really does irritate them. Maybe it is because of the heel counter and they feel better in a much more flexible shoe. Great. That's what you're going to do. Um, yeah. So you just, and it also where it hits on the person. So like one of the biggest, um, if you, if you read up to Google, you know, what do I do if I have Achilles pain? And one of the biggest things I'll say is a heel lift, but I meet a lot of people that put a heel lift in their shoe and now it makes a shoe hit them at just the place it's irritating them. So, um, it doesn't, it doesn't work, you know, well with that. So, you know, I, I like to talk to people and see, you know, usually they've tried all the shoes in their closet and they find the ones that feel the best. And so we kind of discover, you know, what feels good to them, you know, something that's softer and has more motion or something that's stiffer and has less motion. Um, so it's, it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit different for everybody. I think it has to, it depends on whether they're, they have a stiffness problem or a flexible or they're too flexible. So sometimes that can, that can play and play a role in that. Great. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, just to define for those that don't know the terminology we're talking about with heel counter, um, if we're talking about a shoe, we're talking about the rear portion of the shoe that's above the foam that surrounds the, uh, the, the heel and the back of the foot that comes all the way up and usually touches the back of the Achilles. Um, you'll feel in the back there, there's usually like a cup that surrounds the heel and gives you structure to the back of the shoe. Um, so in this case, if you were to put your hand on that back of the shoe, uh, the, under the heel, all the way to where the back of where it touches the Achilles and squish it, if that's solid, that's what we're talking about. It's firm. Some shoes, they do not put anything on the inside. It's just material and kind of some cushioning or padding, and you can squish it all the way down to the insole. So uh, it just depends on, you know, what's, what feels good to you. Um, and as Miriam was saying, like we have people that, you know, I, when they would come in for a fitting, um, they would feel good in, you know, a zero drop shoe. And whereas others felt better in, you know, a higher ramp shoe. So it's, you know, uh, what Miriam was saying is it's, it's up to the, the user <laughs> and what they're comfortable in for sure. Um, so thank you. Um, anything else there on, uh, on Haglins, anything we missed? No, no. And, you know, I'd say if anyone's listening at home, if you're, um, if you're wondering if, if you're, if you're stiff or if you have enough mobility, I think, again, another really good test is just to face a wall and, and put your, your foot in front of the wall. So it's touching and see if your knee can then bend and also touch the wall. So if you're facing a wall and you put your foot toe touching the wall and just seeing if that knee can make it easily to the wall without any problem, that is a good indication that your, your range of motion probably isn't terrible. Um, but <laughs> you got thumbs up there. So that's one thing that you can do to see um, if it's if it's a problem. But, you know, I, it's 
you know, I think everyone has some intuition about what makes them feel better. And I think as soon as they have problems with their feet or their Achilles, they're definitely diving into that closet and they're either coming out with a shoe that has a heel and it makes them feel a lot better or a shoe like a flip flop that, that feels fantastic. So, um, yeah, people, people are pretty good at finding that. So. Right on. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else is there for the Achilles? Is there anything that we, we missed? Um, I guess we could talk about, um, insertional pain too. Um, you know, when we talked about the, the tendonitis, um, where, you know, there's that, that really, uh, tenderness on the back of the heel there where, where it does insert, um, you know, in, in that case, a lot of times that's, you know, people feel it in the back of the heel. Um, they, they're not sure what to, to term it. Sometimes like when, you know, when I was fitting shoes, people would come in and say, I think I have plantar fasciitis and they would show me where the pain was. And I said, I don't think that's plantar fasciitis. Um, that would be itself considered, um, a tendonitis, right? Correct. Uh, insertional. And yeah. Insertional. And again, that can be, you know, in the early stages, like an insertional Achilles tendonitis or an insertional Achilles tendinopathy, if it's more chronic, but yeah, it's where the tendon merges into the calcaneus. So almost down into the bone. Um, and that's a really good place to start to differentiate. Is it an, is it an Achilles issue or is it a bone, a bony stress fracture of the calcaneus? Um, so, you know, really get someone to help sit that out for you. What I usually tell people, like if you're listening at home, if you take your whole hand and you put it on either side of your heel bone and you press hard, if that feels pretty bad to you, um, there, that might be a calcaneal stress fracture. Um, versus if you just walk your finger down the Achilles tendon to the exact little point on the bottom of the heel bone, and that's where it's tender um, and more of a focal spot, um, that's probably more of a, an insertional Achilles tendonitis or tendinopathy. Um, and, a, you know, a practitioner can help you sift that out too, but you do want to definitely differentiate those two um, because people will try to keep running, you know, especially when it feels uncomfortable. And sometimes that's not a bad thing, but if it's a stress fracture, obviously that's not going to, that's not going to be very helpful. So, yeah, that's definitely one of those places you want to differentiate that. Awesome. Um, you know, we, we've talked about the, the, the plantar fascia and now the Achilles. Um, I think we'd be remiss if, we, if we're talking about the heel to not talk about heel spurs. Um, what are heel spurs? Yeah, I think also this kind of get a bad rap because there's a lot of good research that in most of the population, just like herniated discs, you know, if you take an MRI of the general population, you're going to have a, a still a pretty good percentage that has a herniated disc that aren't symptomatic. Uh, same thing. Um, if you ever see a, like a anatomy book or an x-ray of actually what the calcaneus looks like. So um, the calcaneus, the heel bone has what everyone has, which is a, a little tuberosity on the bottom. And it looks horrible. It looks like, I mean, it's like a tiny horn on the bottom of your heel bone. And that's where the, the um, plantar fascia attaches. And if you looked at that and, and, and there's no way you would ever think that was natural, but it is, it's on, it's, it's on all of us, um, that, that calcaneal tuberosity. So, um, so once in a while you will start to see some calcification sometimes. And, you know, I think they're just, uh, um, they're just a reflection. Sometimes if there is extra calcification there, if there's, if there's a lot of pulling of that plantar fascia on the tuberosity, our body will lay down bone. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing what our body will do. If there's a lot of stress on a tendon, it will lay down some bone to try to kind of toughen up that insertional spot. Um, and so we can get these heel spurs or these, these, um, what looks like heel spurs, but you know, necessarily are those what's really, you know, that's what's causing the pain. If they weren't there, it wouldn't, I don't think we can really say that. I think we can get plenty. I think people can get better and still have bone spurs on their, on their heel. Um, but yeah, you do see those sometimes. 
I got you. Um, and uh, the other thing I guess um, we should talk about too is, um, you know, Keegan, my son just went through um, Severs. Um, yeah. Severs? Yeah, Severs. Oh, talk about Severs? Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, when we're ta- talking about younger athletes, um, their problems are a little bit different. So when we're talking about adult athletes, you know, 30, 30 years plus, um, we start to see more issues with tendons, so soft tissue things. That's that's kind of where our, our problems lie, um, except for, a, you know, a lot of loading will might get a stress fracture. When we're talking about younger populations, um, stress fractures are a much bigger um, part of the pie. Um, also younger people there, um, in a bone, there's a growth plate. That's why we grow. Um, and the growth plate is soft until a certain age. So when we start having young athletes have pain in certain areas, sometimes it's where the tendons are naturally pulling at those soft growth plates and it creates, um, uh, on one end of the spectrum, just a little bit of irritation there, um, some inflammation and pain. And then we can have some, some things, you know, that are further down the, the spectrum that are really bad where we kind of have almost an avulsion type situation where the bone is being pulled away. Um, so we see those. So severs is one of those. So that's where the Achilles starts to pull at the soft growth plate of the bone. Um, we see that with kids and we treat it, um, with trying to decrease activity, trying to decrease inflammation, you know, obviously it's, you know, just to decrease the amount of pulling that bone is that tendon is having on that soft growth plate. So it, it um, irritates them less. Uh, and it is frustrating uh, for young athletes because uh, there's not a lot you can do about it. Um, I mean, we definitely just try to short mechanics and things like that, but a lot of times it just has to do with repetitive force from a tendon on that soft growth plate. Yeah. Um, Keegan just needed some time, you know, and, mm-hmm. It, it resolved itself. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, he had a, a long season and, uh, you know, he probably spiked up a little too much for the, the cross country season and, uh, just put a little too much stress on that, uh, on that heel. And, uh, uh but once we gave him some time and let him recover, it seemed to, uh, to heal itself and he's doing fine now. So. Yeah. Cool. And it's kind of hard too, because it's called, you know, Severs disease. It sounds horrible. It's not really a disease. Um, right. so I just always like to tell parents that when, you know, I'm working with their, you know, it's like Oshgood slaughters, you know, that's in the knee. So that's a really common one, Oshgood slaughters, but also that the terminology sounds really scary too. But again, just all kind of growth plate issues yeah. with, with younger right. athletes. See that we'll, a lot. We'll up there. We gotta yeah. get <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so, um, let's see. Um, so if, if we're talking, um, preventative measures, you talked about the, uh, the calf raises and such, but, um, you know, in order to keep things supple and, uh, and flexible, are there things that you would suggest for ankle mobility and, um, and calf, um, flexibility? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have a couple of favorites. Uh, I do really love, especially if someone has had an ankle injury and they know that mobility is a problem. Um, I really do love those little ankle boards. Um, Jay DeSherry has the uh, MOBO that's kind of going to one end of like really working on that foot and ankle. Um, you can also just get a little ankle board off of Amazon. That's just, you know, just working on the, on um, moving that ankle while you're balancing on it, trying to get down all the ends of that circle board. Um, but I do like, you know, either partially weight bearing or full weight bearing mobility exercises for the, for the ankle and foot. Um, uh, as far as soft tissue, I think everyone kind of has their favorites with some of the, the toys that are out there. Um, I tend to like that, um, that vibrating frame roller, um, the orange one. Um, I think that's nice. I've also gotten a hypervolt. Um, I have clients that like that the best. 
Um, I tend to like the the foam roller that has a little bit of vibration to it um, for rolling out soft tissue and muscles. Um, but I, I really have to go back to um, I do, eccentric exercises are really one of the best ways to con to continue mobility um, of our joints. You know, so um, goblet squats and um, some weighted eccentrics with the heel. And I think just a little bit goes a long way. Um, but I think just, you know, at least weekly going through some of those, um, just basic lifting exercises, um, can really, can really, really help, um, with cool. mobility. Mm -hmm. right, on. right on. Um, so, uh, you know, you had mentioned the, um, um, the heel lifts earlier, which, you know, sometimes work and sometimes don't um you know we we, we kind of talked about the night splints uh in the plantar fasciitis uh episode um it, it you know sometimes you hear like you should wear a, a night splint with uh with if you're having problems with the achilles as well um is that something that sometimes you recommend the night splint yeah yeah and so i always like to talk, ask people about their what we call um the first step pain so when they when they wake up in the morning i'm like what is your morning like when you first put your your weight down on your feet and they say it's pretty bad it's probably the worst time of my my day um and the reason those night splints they don't stretch you the, the idea is that they're not stretching you during the night it's just that it keeps the foot in a little bit of a neutral position so that it's not going through such a large range when you first wake up and you start moving around. Um, unfortunately, compliance is, is, is really tough because people aren't really comfortable sometimes in them. Um, or they just, they don't even notice they're uncomfortable. They just kick them off in the middle of the night. They're like, I just wake up and it's on the floor. So, um, you know, but they're called dorsal night splints. And that means that the little straps that go around them aren't, um, aren't hugging under the Achilles. That's really important. So if you do look for one to get a dorsal night splint is at the a dorsal D O R S A L so that you don't have a strap that's, um, rubbing on the Achilles. So Anytime I talk to somebody that that's having symptoms, I talk about all the things you can throw out in the beginning because it is a really tough case, you know, when you start having Achilles pain, like a, or a plantar fascia pain. I mean, you really want to find a dial in exactly what's going to help it and make it feel better immediately, you know. So um, if people have first step pain, that's definitely something I think that's great to try because it with a good amount of the population, they really say it, it helps. Um, I'll tell you another one, especially if people have Achilles swelling. Um, um, I, I saw this anecdotally, um, CEP has, it's, it's called an Achilles brace, but it's really not a brace. It has these channels, um, that actually kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, it kind of milks the Achilles tendon as you walk. So you wear it during the day. They have one that, um, covers the entire foot and one that actually has, is open for the toes. So you can kind of pick which one you want. But I, I've had really good reports from my clients. I'm just like, just try it, you know, in your everyday. And they're like, I think it's really helping, you know, after about a week or so. But it keeps that fluid moving, I think. It just kind of it just kind of hugs it and keeps that fluid moving in the Achilles while you're walking during the day. Um, so I've had really good um, reports from that. Um, but the biggest thing I think to always remember is the forces that you're putting through your Achilles. So if you are still running, you know, just try to pick um, – pick a routine that is not going to put you in a bad situation while you're trying to rehab or trying to get better. So a lot of times that's speed work and a lot of times that's um, aggressive uphill. Um, so, you know, more than, I would say more than any of the, the shoe wear considerations and things like that, the, just the active forces that you're, that you're choosing to put into your routine. And sometimes that's hard socially for a runner. So, you know, when you're used to, you know, always having a workout or always, you know, doing this with a group or, 
you know, it's probably a little bit less so now, but I mean, you still have, you know, sometimes your little pods of social circles now. Um, and that long run you do fine for eight, but you know, if you go for 12, it's going to really get angry at you, you know? So, and that's where I really like to, you know, talk about with runners just for a small amount of time, you know, just kind of making those decisions, um, to keep you running, but not to keep you in that really unhappy cycle of, you know, bang it into the wall and sell, and sell, sell yourself back because it's it can get very frustrating. So, I mean, if you can, I, I usually say to give to people about six months to really find a good program where they do all these things and start to get better and, and hopefully get back on track. You just went through a lot right there. I've got three <laughs> questions. <laughs> so no, let me all your questions. Yeah. So um, you know, we were talking about the dorsal night splint. Um, there's the product, the Strasburg sock. Um, mm -hmm. you know, that's, if you Google these things, you're going to see the Strasburg sock. Um, is that okay of a product? You know, it kind of pulls the toe back, but it also allows the, you know, foot to kind of move around a little bit. Is that, is that still okay? Or would you rather something a little bit more solid that goes on the front of the foot and kind of just keeps it in place? You know, it's just whatever someone feels more comfortable in. Um, uh, I had one client and she's like, I had somebody tell me this and it really worked. It was this, it was the stock, it was the sock and they wear Birkenstock with it or something. And it, and it really worked, but I was like, okay, great. Do that. So honestly, it's whichever one somebody either has access to, or they think feels more comfortable to them for them. Um, either is fine with me. I, I don't find, um, you know, I don't, I don't harp on one versus the other. If they, if they have it or a friend has, and they can borrow it. Um, it's just so the foot doesn't, doesn't completely, you know, relax into a pointed position when the, the weight of the sheets are on it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put all these um, ideas in the, the show notes, but um, going on to the, the next one, you know, you talked about the CEP, the uh, Achilles brace, um, you know, the, um, a lot of, a lot of brands that are doing um, compression style also have like just uh, a little uh, more compression and a little bit more support to the Achilles. Um, you know, again, this is probably, um, um, you know, uh, to the user, you know, like whether it helped or not, but uh, is it something that you encourage um, the compression at all? Um, or is, is that just a, you know, little extra expense that you don't really need. I <laughs> uh, mean, in general with people that aren't symptomatic to, to keep either, getting Achilles issues or either, you know, if, if a, if you've had like, you know, for myself that like every once in a while, my Achilles will flare up. Um, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know if it's a, a placebo or, or not, but I'll, I'll throw on my, uh, my, my, I use the CEP cause they have a little extra, um, on their short sock that has a little extra Achilles support. Um, I, you know, like I said, placebo or not, I'm not sure. I just, you know, I throw it out cause they say that <laughs> it's supposed to help the Achilles. Um, but is that something that you typically recommend at all is compression when, um, you know, people, especially if they are having problems with it, does that help blood circulation? You know, is that anything that you've seen? Well, I mean, so the one thing about like so with CEP, which is, is just kind of nice or any kind of, um, compression sock, which, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know, but it's a graduated compression. So we're looking at, you know, I'm um, having more compression at the bottom and less as we go up. Um, so any kind of those, um, uh, syndromes where you have any, the inflammation set up, this kind of limits that a little bit. Um, now some people that have plantar fasciitis and have really, um, tender feet, or they feel like they're really sensitive. Sometimes those, those socks do not feel good at all. Um, but I do find, especially for my recovering ankle sprains, um, Achilles, um, calf tears, uh, the the compression socks are a nice little added benefit, especially as you, as you, um, 
recover um, to have around. And, and, you know, and probably some of it is, is um, placebo, but some of it is actually not allowing some of that um, inflammation to kind of set up in that area as easily. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and then going on um, to um, when we talked about like, you know, running and you still potentially have some, some symptoms um, you had talked about, you know, staying flat um, and uh, keeping the speed down speed sessions, you know, limit those um, the surface itself. Uh, should we stay on a more even surface, you know, potentially something that's like a, a groomed dirt um, or pavement, you know, rather than, you know, a surface that is rutted and rooted where the ankle is going to be turning a lot more. Is that? Yeah, that does tend to make a, a big difference. So if you start going, you know, if you have your choice of like a dirt path and then you have a more um, rocky single track, it does make a huge difference. Um, and I usually tell people that's something that you can start to like speckle in as you get better. Um, but you'll talk to you. It's really interesting. Um, it will, it will start. You can start to make a, a to notice a big difference when you start to change terrain, gravel, you know, big gravel. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right on. Um, other uh, topic you had touched on, uh, but I just wanted to circle back to was the OTC insoles. Uh, so over the counter insoles, um, you know, Lord knows that there are a bajillion ba- brands out there. Um, is there anything that someone, if they're interested in, you know, an over the counter or an over counter suggested to them, is there anything that they should look for structurally within the insole that could potentially help if it is suggested to them? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, most of them are semi-rigid that you get out of the, out of the box. Um, the biggest thing I say is to put it in your shoe and walk around in it. And then if you, if you are running, maybe run around, you know, whatever store you're in and and, and make sure they don't feel super aggressive. So if they feel really, you know, pretty hard in the arch or really lumpy, uh, it's kind of the princess and the P effect there. Um, that's something I, I, I think you need to go either down in, in profile of those, of those inserts. There's usually a couple of different styles you can choose from. Um, cause you do want to feel like it's supportive and it's there, but you don't want to feel like it feels aggressive. Um, because if it feels that way after just a little bit, it's really going to talk to you a little bit, you know, when you put more time into it. Um, and I would say if you get some out in, you know, some of them you, you can really bend very easily with your thumbs. Like if you do kind of a three point pressure and try to bend it in half, um, you know, and you put those on and they really don't feel like anything, you probably want to go uh, like a little bit of a step up to where you feel like it has a little bit of rigidity and you actually can feel like it's, it's doing something. Um, you That's know, in the arch you area that huh? That's in the arch area that you're referring to. Yeah. 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 Um, and really what do we, what is the research really fun with inserts is that, um, it doesn't seem to be you know, specific to brand, but we're trying to decrease the amount of energy the Achilles is having to transfer. Um, so again, going back to that, that power line um, uh, uh, imagery that, you know, we went, we talked about in the beginning, we're trying to decrease the amount of power that that Achilles is having to um, transfer. So research does show that uh, inserts can do that a little bit. They can decrease as we land that eccentric work that Achilles has to has to do. So some people, it really does help. Um, I had a, a client shoes can be the same way. You had two different kinds of Nike shoes. Um, and when we videotaped, um, visually they're about 10 degrees more ankle motion and one, and the other one was, was visibly a lot less. And so we, and so we went with the one that was, he looked a little bit better in, but it was, it was just shoes. It wasn't even inserts. Um, and visually we could see a huge difference. So, um, sometimes it's just picking the shoes too, that feel the best with that. Um, 
so, and ultimately, so you know, looking at hips, I think it's always like, you know, I think we like to blame the Achilles for a lot of things, but I, I would say 99% of the time, it's not the pos- the person's like flexibility issues with their foot or they're an overpronator or an underpronator. There's something going on with the, the way that their, um, their hips are stabilizing their, their torso. And that's, you know, putting overload onto the Achilles, uh, structure. So, um, I would say if someone has a cranky Achilles and it's just not getting better with kind of your typical, you know, first lines of defense, you know, have somebody take a look and, and see what's going on. We don't know anybody that has weak hips. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still doing my exercises, by the way. Good. You're good. <laughs> uh, so um, some, um, some brands just touching base on the, uh, the insoles again is uh, some brands claim that a deeper heel dish uh, will help uh, secure the uh, the insertional point of the Achilles because it, it kind of traps the fat pad around it. Is there any uh, validity to that? Um, some, it's just that people are just built different, you know? So what I think some people are going to find comfortable, other people aren't, you know? So it's, it's, it's hard to speak on that. I'd, I'd have to, to look at some some research on that. So I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else we should, you know, say uh, in part with the, you know, with this, uh, the you know, the Achilles, anything else you want to say? Yeah. I mean, I think um, if you're going to like, I always like to think of things like in kind of a tier of, you know, if you're starting to have some problems with the Achilles, you know, in the front part of the tier, think about, you know, little things that you can add to make it feel more comfortable. That's where we get the ice and maybe, um, like, you know, the compression socks with a channel or, you know, the, the night splint, you know, those are little things. Um, the next thing is just being consistent with shewer that is, it makes it feel better, you know, so having a good shewer selection. And then, you know, ultimately the biggest thing is look at your, your, your loads on the, that Achilles. Um, so, you know, whether if you're a runner, you know, what your, what your runs look like and where you're running into problems or, you know, what does your lifting look like? And if you're, if you aren't a runner looking at just, you know, kind of like your, your daily routine and then what you're, what you're wearing during the day and, and how, what you're doing with your, your feet during the day. So I think loads are always like the biggest, you know, thing to look at, you know, and, and to resolve, but I kind of think of it in that kind of, that kind of tier. So, yeah. Um, Miriam has has stressed, you know, that we we'd have to maintain our our strength work too. That you know, I I can't you know say enough how much I encourage you know everyone to make sure you've incorporated some kind of strength uh, regimen. Uh, one of the the books that Miriam recommended me was Running Rewired by Jay Sherry. We mentioned him earlier with the Mobo Board, but um, I think Jay has some fantastic routines that runners can do that will you know complement every runner and you know it's you don't need a lot of equipment and it, it really is comprehensive and, and keeps you uh you doing functional moves uh that will keep you strong and hopefully healthy so uh thank you miriam for <laughs> for turning me on to that book I, I i think um i have recommended and probably sold i can't tell you how many copies <laughs> <laughs> so, um but uh, again, uh, I'll put that book in the uh, the show notes because I think that's a fabulous resource. Is there any other uh, resources that you might suggest in, in that vein, uh, you know, either strength or flexibility um, that, you know, runners could, could pick up to, to kind of look over things? Yeah, I mean, and again, this is another one of Jay's products, but um, 
I th- I think a lot of the balance is something that it, that tends also to be you know kind of um, by the wayside when we're feeling healthy. Uh, you know, obviously when we sprain our ankle and do things like that, we we start balancing on one leg and, and doing some things like that. But I don't think a lot of people think about core work being part of that balance. And so you know, it, I do I do think that Mobo board and some of those exercises he has on there are just some of the really good core work. Um, you know, for runners too. So by incorporating some of that kind of dynamic standing balance um, into your, into your routine, I think is a little bit as helpful, super helpful. I think the other book that um, I have found helpful is um, it is Dr. Jordan Metzl's running strong. Um, he does, it's uh, he's with runner's world, but oh, it's backwards, but uh, this <laughs> has been um it's been a really good book if you're having problems with uh with some part of the body uh he describes some really good exercises um that you know can help um strengthen you know core work stuff like that so um i'll put that in the short show notes he also does a a video series um it's called um iron strength (laughs) um so i'll put those in the show notes but i I found some good resources in there as well to to complement jay um anything else miriam no, I don't think so. I mean, I just, I, I think it's really good just to make your goals really reasonable with that. I know it's overwhelming to think of all these different resources and exercises, but just, just start with a little bit. If, if you're not already doing something, just a little bit of um, work around your house as far as, you know, strength and, and mobility, um, maybe just block out one afternoon a, a week or to try to do that after work or, um, you know, so just, just make your, your goals really reasonable and don't feel too, um, overwhelmed if you haven't, you know, if you don't already do those things. Cause sometimes I think it feels like, you know, it's like all this. And then <laughs> the last thing people need more now is like more pressure. So just kind of make it fun. And, um, obviously Aaron's a great resource. So reach out to him if he, uh, <laughs> Thank he, you. he needs some inspiration. <laughs> um, and uh, what I guess we should say, you know, if, if the Achilles is, um, you know, in the, it's irritated, um, you know, is it, should we go see, you know, somebody, you know, immediately, or, you know, is that one thing that, um, you know, if it's lasting longer than X, you know, you should see somebody or should you you just go see somebody immediately? No, I mean, I I think if it's something that you, that you, you know, someone feels is like just starting to bug them and it's really starting to become like top of mind to them. Um, you know, try these suggestions, um, go see your, your shoe person and, and kind of get that evaluated. Um, you know, do your kind of normal, you know, try some of the heel raises and things like that. But if it doesn't shake out, try that. Then I would, I would definitely go to see somebody. So if it's not getting better or if it's getting worse, obviously, um, you know, definitely, you know, get that checked out. But I think it's totally fine for people to try these first lines of defense um, because they, they do, they can really help, you know, um, but if it becomes a recurring problem, just to kind of get a little extra help on it. Cool. Thank you so much, Miriam. I appreciate your time as always. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. It's always good to see you <laughs> virtually. <laughs> virtually see you, absolutely. Thank you. Dad. Okay, have a good night. Bye-bye. You. Bye. Once again, thank you, Miriam, for, for joining me for this episode. Um, really uh, she's invaluable. Uh, so I appreciate her time. You can always reach out to, uh, Miriam through her website, runnersmechanic.com. Um, she's, uh, she's wonderful. And, uh, I'll put everything in the show notes for her. 
um, as well as some of the things we talked about today. Um, and, uh, uh, as I said, um, I've got some coaching spots that have come open. Uh, I was kind of thinking about them on my run this morning. Um, and, uh, just, uh, had a good conversation with an athlete, um, that was, you know, was, was talking about, you know, trail running and, um, how much specificity do you need? And I've, I've, you know, heard a few podcasts and also read a few articles recently, which kind of just, um, you know, kind of give merit to, uh, to this idea. And, um, I actually learned, learned it first. Uh, I was coached, uh, quite a few years back by Howard Nippert, who is, um, usually one of the coaches for the 24 hour U S team. Um, he's, uh, you know, outstanding runner in his own right, but Howard always says you can't always run trails and you can't always run slow. That just makes you slow. Uh, and you know, that's exactly right. So, um, you know, those of us that, um, that run, um, you know, and, and do workouts and such, there's, there's, you know, there's point behind it. It's to, to make, uh, you know, faster running easier. You don't want to be worried about cutoffs all the time. So if you're constantly just, you know, run slow or just worried about how much vert you're getting, you know, you're not getting the specificity you need for running. Um, if you want to, uh, be able to run, you know, and enjoy your races and not worry about cutoffs, uh, we, you know, we need to train a little bit differently than just getting out there and, and going for a slow run. Uh, there's definitely time and a place for, for that. I'm not saying that that shouldn't be a part of running. Um, you know, as, as if you're following me on Strava right now, you see, I'm building my base. Base is a great time for that, you know, kind of staying in that aerobic zone, keeping the heart rate low, um, just building up the, uh, the mitochondria in your cells and getting your energy stores ready for, for that later training. Um, so, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely a time and, uh, 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 there's a limit to how much time you put on that type of training as well. So, um, if you're interested in coaching, I uh, want to hear more about it, talk to me about it. Um, you know, by all means, just reach out running pains at gmail.com. Um, you can you know check out my website and learn a little bit more about me, my philosophy on, on coaching. Um, my newsletter is going to be coming out here. Uh, this episode will launch on September 3rd. So I'm hoping to have the, the newsletter out by this weekend. So you can uh, sign up for the newsletter on my website, mrrunningpains.com. And um, I'm going to try to start posting a little bit more about um, training and such, uh, just some some thoughts and tips and strategies and such on my uh, my Facebook, MR Running Pains Coaching um, uh, page. And uh, yeah, um, I really, you know, once again, I appreciate your ears, guys, and uh, the time for listening. I hope you're learning with me, um, you know, as, as I am. That's the point of this. Uh, it's, it's really been, um, been great to, to pick some of these brilliant minds, uh, and learn more from them. So, uh, if you have ideas for the podcast, uh, once again, just reach out, let me know what you want to hear about, what you want to learn about. Uh, sincerely appreciate ideas, feedback, anything you can provide. And, uh, you know, if you can, uh, subscribe to the podcast, uh, leave a review on iTunes. Um, if you would, if you hear something you really like, share it with a friend. That'd be great. I'd love to, uh, you know, to get the word out. Um, again, just trying to be helpful. Uh, just trying to share knowledge. Uh, so once again, thank you guys. And until next time, keep running.